Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalts the nation, but sins are reproach to any people. Hello and welcome to Of God and Men, the show that will treat you so many ways you're bound to be offended by one. <laughs> this is your host, Brom French. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at bromfrench at mail.com, B-R-A-H-M-F-R-E-N-C-H at mail.com, or you can reach me by phone, preferably text at 210-854-8029. So uh, what's in the news? This is some crazy stuff. Zimbabwe has decided, Zimbabwe in Africa has decided not to charge the dentist with shooting Cecil the lion. If you remember a few weeks ago, there was a big outrage that uh, this lion has been killed because it was so old, it was so special. Of course, it was special to the nut jobs in America, but the people in Zimbabwe were like, uh, what lion? <laughs> Which lion? Big deal. The Zimbabwe Zimbabwe government has uh, said that it was apparent that uh, the dentist followed all the laws, and uh, he had the right permits and whatnot, whatever it took to go hunting, and uh, it wasn't his fault that they got the animal off the reservation for him to shoot it or whatever. Anyway, he is not facing any charges, which has then set all the leftist liberal loonies to go absolutely bonkers. They have gone nuts. They've lost their minds. Um, but honestly, they did that well before Cecil the Lion was shot. So uh, that, there's something else that's, that's crazy just to bring home the point. Planned Parenthood. Now, they're throwing a fit over a lion that is rather old. But Planned Parenthood... So far, they have released 10 videos, 10 interviews, some including very graphic scenes of aborted children and searching for good body parts. And we are upset because a lion has been killed. While as this nation, on a regular basis, kills our own children by masses, absolutely massive. What a crazy, messed up society we have become. We're going to speak out for a lion that's old, decrepit, but we're not going to speak out for an unborn child, for a human being. We've got our values completely backwards. It's one of the reasons I'm a big supporter of that uh, Abort 73. And if, if you haven't checked it out yet, I encourage you, go check it out. Abort73.com. The number 73. It's amazing the world that we live in. It's amazing the perversion that we have seen. And the rapid growth of that perversion. It used to be that your... Um, your sin, if you will, the things that you were ashamed of, we would try to keep in a back closet somewhere. But now we have brought it out to the forefront. We've set up a, an image of Satan, 
for pe- and children looking up to worship him in one place while in another place in the middle of the night we've gone to take down the Ten Commandments. Just absolutely shameful. We have opened up our borders to illegal immigrants and then Muslim extremists. And we try to tell each other you're safe. We try to tell each other that you're okay and you don't need your weapons, you don't need your guns. And a man that kills people in Oklahoma, excuse me, in Oregon, that goes to a gun-free zone to do it, well, guns were the problem. The problem could have been solved if one man had a gun. But because we have lost our course, we have lost our way as a people. And again, it brings me back to the same principle. Now, I want to see a change in our government. I want to see a change in our policies. You, If you've heard my podcast previously, you heard me rejoice when Boehner stepped down. You heard me rejoice when uh, the, the, the next expected speaker decided not to run his name. You heard me rejoice when we see any movement towards conservatism or better yet, libertarianism, getting the government completely off our shoulders. But the crazy thing is, none of that really will work until we get back to Jesus. Until we get back to Judeo-Christianity. What I mean is, uh, get back to God, but I don't want to keep that shallow enough. Or, or I don't want to keep it that shallow. Getting back to God because Allah could be your God. But as a nation, if we go to Allah, if we go that course, we are in serious trouble. Look at all the other nations that Allah is their God. Look at how their women are treated. Look at how their moderate Muslims are treated. Look at how Christians are treated when Allah is the God of the society. It's a shameful thing. We need to get back to God. But we need to get back to the Judeo-Christian God as a people. I'm not speaking for the government. I don't believe we should have a theocracy. But the people, you and I, our neighbors, our friends, have got to step back up. One of the greatest appeals of Donald Trump, one of the greatest appeals Donald Trump has is the fact that he's not politically correct. He's willing to say things that will ruffle feathers, that will get people riled up. We need to be willing to get back to that, to say things. Now, I'm not planning on voting for Donald Trump in the primaries. I I can tell you right now, there are things about him I don't like. Uh, He reminds me, he's a cult personality. We've already had that in Obama. And we don't need another Caesar. However, The notion or the idea that says we can come back and be real with each other. That we can be frank. That we can be honest. And that we can go ahead and not pull punches with what we believe and what we think. We need America to be America again. But if America is going to be America, the America that our founders envisioned The America that some of us that are now, well, I'm pushing 40, that we grew up believing this nation to be. 
The only way it's going to happen is we have got to get back to the God of the Bible as a people. We have got to go back to the center focus of Jesus, if you're Christian, Jehovah, if you're Jewish. We've got to get back to that principle that says God is number one. It's amazing. You read some of the things that the founding fathers said, and the founding fathers, we look at them now like they are total extremists, Christian extremists. Because some of their quotes you will find where they will say things like, I'm Christian first, then American. Christian first? What? You put Jesus over your nation? Part of the problem we've had lately is we have put our nation over other things. I fear what we are looking at moving forward is nothing but judgment. Looking at the things and the decisions and that, that our nation has made, that we have made as a people, and the people we have put into office are nothing but a representation of what we have become. That is absolutely shameful. Absolutely shameful. We have allowed ourselves to get so far away, so far removed from our center core that now Washington represents us. And what you see in Washington is absolutely no representation of a Judeo-Christian nation. Ah, the sound of the car crash, the collision, if you will, the coming together of Islam and Christianity. If you remember the last couple times we looked at uh, now, torment is coming to those that don't accept Allah. And uh, what is torment? It is brought on by Muslims, what they refer to as jihad. So uh, now we're, we're now still in the cow, that's the second chapter. And we're going to pick up at verse number 11, and we're going to break this down. And it is said to them, make not mischief on the earth. And they say, we are only peacemakers. Verily, they are the ones who make mischief, but they perceive not. And when it is said to them, hypocrites, believe as the people, uh, the followers of Muslim believe, or Muhammad believe, they say, shall we believe as the fools have believed? Verily, they are the fools, but they know not. And when they meet those who believe, they say, we believe. But when they are alone with their uh, shayatin, devils, polytheists, hypocrites, they say, truly, we are with you. Verily, we were but mocking. Allah mocks at them and gives them increase in their wrongdoing and wander blindly. So uh, basically what this is, is this is a direct assault on the moderate Muslim. If you say you believe in Muhammad or Allah, but you are a peacemaker, check this out. And when it is said to them, make not mischief on the earth, they say we are only peacemakers. This is why the moderate Muslims won't speak out against the extremist, the Islamist, the terrorist. This is why, because if they do, they are putting their head on a chopping block. Because the peacemakers are the ones that he's talking about here, that Muhammad is writing about. And he says, verily, they are the ones who make mischief. So the peacemakers are the ones making mischief. 
but they perceive it not. Let's get make sure we understand this. That also that shoe fits on the other foot as well. If we Christians try to make peace with Muslims, if we try to accept their doctrine, accept their way of thinking, we too become the ones that make mischief and perceive it not. This is the error of some of us Christians. Huge, huge error, huge mistake that will cost many, many lives. You mark my words on it. It's going to cost many, many lives. And when it said to them, hypocrites, believe as the followers of Muhammad have believed, and they say, we shall believe as a fool, shall we believe as the fools have believed? So in other words, they're uh, trying to straddle the fence because they're just not Muslim enough. Rarely they are the fools, but they know not. So they're saying, hey, are we going to believe as the infidel? But they are the infidel and they don't know it. Paraphrasing here. Verse 14, and when they meet those who believe, they say, we believe, but when they're alone with their shaitan, the devils, polytheists, polytheists, those are people that believe in many gods, and hypocrites, etc. They say, truly, we are with you. Verily, we were but mocking. Truly, we're not Muslim. Now, again, we're going to find out that, well, I'll tell you what, verse 15 kind of starts to sum it up, and we'll pick up later on. He said, Allah mocks at them and gives them increase in their wrongdoings to wander blindly. So they're lost. They're, uh, they're in deep shape. They're in deep trouble. And, uh, well, to uh, make it easier to understand, they're probably waiting for jihad to happen to them. A religion of peace? I think not. Let me take a break. When I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. Hold on just a second. to go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. We are in Genesis. Check this out, folks. We are in Genesis chapter 36. We have finally made it to chapter 36, the book of Genesis. We're going to pick up at verse number one. Now, these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. 
So every time we hear about Edom now, we know it is the descendants of Esau. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Ellen, the Hittite, uh, uh, blah, 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 the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite, Bashemeth, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Naboth, or something like that, and Ada bare to Esau, Elizabeth, and Bashemeth bare real. You can tell I'm really interested. And uh, Ahole, Baha, uh, Maha, whatever, bare uh, Jewish, and Jalim, and Korah. These are the sons of Esau, which were born unto him in the land of Canaan. And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle and all his beasts and all his substance, which he had got in the land of Canaan and went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. Now that becomes very interesting. Now we're going to go through the very, through the whole thing. Uh, well, somewhat. <laughs> but verse 6 is the part that I really want to spend most of the time on. These are the generations of Esau, verse number 1, who is Edom. So every time the Bible refers to Edom, it is really talking about the descendants of Esau. As a matter of fact, if you talk to people in the Middle East, those that are the descendants of Esau will be very uh, sure to bring that out to you that they are the descendants of Esau and not Ishmael because it is a very big deal to them. There is a difference as far as they believe. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan. All right, so now Esau has married wives, the daughters of Canaan, the daughter of uh, a Hittite, the daughter of uh, somebody from uh, a Hivite, and uh, Bashemus, Ishmael's daughter. And so now, uh, still ends up being a child of Ishmael. That's another interesting thing. Because here, <laughs> they're very proud that they are from Esau and not Ishmael. But yet, they still can trace back to Ishmael. It's interesting. And uh, Adar, bear to Esau, Eliphaz, or Bashemus, bear, Rubel. Now, uh, a couple others were born unto him, which were in the land of Canaan. Let's go down to verse number six, where I really want to spend most of our time. And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house. So Esau has gotten together. He's gotten all of his wives together. He's gotten all of his sons, his daughters, all of his kids together. And the persons of his house, so he's gotten all his servants, everybody that's connected with him that is associated with Esau, he has gathered them all together. They are with him. And now he's gotten his cattle and his beasts. So not only does he have all the people, he's got all of his property. The Bible even says, and all his substance. So he has gathered together everything, all of his stuff, which he had got in the land of Canaan. So now he's getting ready to leave Canaan. He's got all of his substance. He has it all together. And then we pick up the last part of verse 6. And went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. That is an amazing statement. I'm going to spend the rest of the podcast speaking just about this. He went from the into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. 
Why? What's the big deal, Brom? Why is it such a big deal? Thank you for asking. Remember when we first started the podcast way back when, we looked at Cain and Abel, that Cain was born after the flesh, but Abel was born after the spirit. One was a child of the flesh, another was a child of promise. And it continued even when Abraham had his. He had two boys, and uh, they too were, one was after the flesh, one was after the spirit. Well, Ishmael, after the flesh, and Isaac, after the spirit. So we see the same pattern develops going all the way through, and now we get we find ourselves here in chapter 36 and we've got a son that was born after the flesh Esau and a son that was born after the promise a son that was born after the spirit Israel he was born after the flesh when he was Jacob he was a supplanter he was a deceiver but God changed his name to Israel and said, now no longer are you son of the flesh, but now you're son of promise. And so he gives him the blessing, you're no longer a supplanter or a deceiver, but you are a prince and you have favor with God and man. And so now we pick up and see where Esau is leaving the face or fleeing from the face of Jacob. Now, why is this a big deal? Because the flesh will always flee from the spirit. The flesh will always... Uh, how you, uh, here's a good way to look at it. If you're standing or sitting in a dark room, it's pitch black, turn on the light or get a candle, pick up a flashlight and turn it on. You're going to find that light is going to penetrate the darkness and the darkness is going to flee. And everywhere you turn that light, darkness will flee. Now this comes in a few different variations. What I mean is simply this, that that means my flesh doesn't always like the spirit doesn't always, my flesh doesn't always like the light because the light shows the wickedness that's in my flesh. The light shows my sin, shows my iniquity, shows my transgressions, shows all the parts of me that are dirty and filthy. When you turn the lights on, you see the roaches scurry across the room looking for shelter, looking for darkness so that they can hide. And so it is with you and I in our personal walk with God, those dark places of our lives, when the light shines, the darkness dissipates. The darkness dissipates. This is one of the reasons we need preachers that are willing to tell us what sin is and willing to call sin out because it forces darkness to dissipate. It forces darkness to flee and to hide. This is one of the reasons we need politicians that are willing to speak the truth. Why we need individuals as a whole 
that are willing to be politically incorrect because political correctness is a darkness that has infiltrated the land. The son of flesh has taken over the nation and the child of promise, the child of the spirit, has been relegated and has allowed the dimming of the lamp. We've got those uh, those light bulbs that you turn three times till you get it on the highest, uh, the, the dimmer switch. You turn it all the way over and you get it on the highest. Well, we have allowed ourselves to be dialed back. And now we're on the dimmest. And so the difference and the impact we are making in lives has been dimmed and been lessened. It is time as Christians, as Americans, as individuals to step up, turn the light all the way on and allow the darkness to dissipate. It's time for the son of flesh, the son of doubt, to flee because remember that's what Ishmael was. Ishmael was a son of doubt. It was a son of lack of faith. It's time to turn the dimmer switch all the way on, turn the dimmer, the dim light off, and turn the brightness of the glory of God on again as a nation, but most importantly as individuals. If we'll turn it all the way on, the son of flesh will be forced to leave while the son of promise and the son of spirit of the spirit is able to shine again. I believe that's one of the reasons that the darkness of Mohammedism, the darkness of Islam has been allowed to creep in to our nation because we have allowed the dimming of the light it's time for us to stand up and tell Esau. It's time for us to stand up and tell Esau, you're not welcome. What do you mean? Do I Am I saying that we need to kick out anybody that is a descendant of Esau? No. But we need to kick out, first of all, in ourselves, our flesh. We've got to allow the light of God's presence and glory to once again shine in our lives, in our hearts, in our homes, on our jobs, in our communities. We've got to, once again, allow that light to shine brightly, take it off the dimmer, and, you know, we, we're, we're only going to have two settings, off and on, like a normal light switch. Either the light is all the way, getting all the juice, all the power, or there's no light at all. We've got too many Christians that are satisfied with the dimming of the light. Too satisfied with a low wattage in the bulb. We've got to have pure wattage, 100%. Everything we've got, full gusto, I'm going to show you it all. It's time to eradicate Esau. It's time to eradicate the flesh. When I say that, let me make sure, when I say eradicate Esau, again, I'm not talking about killing anybody. But it's time we eradicate the Esau part of our lives that are born after the flesh, that are the children of the flesh. It's time we eradicate and chase Esau off by opening up ourselves to the power and spirit of God and saying, Lord, here I am. 
Count me in. Take me in. I give you everything. And I'm not going to say one thing today and something else tomorrow. I'm 100% in. I'm not 50%. I'm not 95%. 100% every bit of me, I'm in. If we will do that, on a regular basis. You see, it's not just an emotional thing that says, well, I'm going to do it today, uh, well, for 30 minutes. So many times we do it when we pray. And in our prayer, that is a whole 30 minutes, we're saying, God, I'm turning the light on, Lord. I'm chasing out the Esau. I'm chasing out the child of the flesh. I want to be the child of promise. I want to be the spirit, Lord. And as soon as we're done praying, we go right back and return to Esau. We go right back and return to Ishmael. We go right back and return to Cain. Why don't we make up our minds? I'm tired of being Cain. I'm ready to be Abel. I'm tired of being Ishmael. I'm ready to be Isaac. I'm tired of being Esau. I'm ready to be Jacob. I'm not, and I'm tired of being Jacob. Quite frankly, I'm tired of being Jacob. I'm ready to be Israel. I'm ready to be different. I'm ready to be what God called me to be, a child of promise. Whether or not you recognize it or not, whether or not you know the full potential of the promise that God has for you. Honestly, that's irrelevant. You can still be a child of promise if you just make up your mind. You see, it doesn't happen all just overnight, but it's a day by day by day. There is a process. We talked about this last podcast. There is a process. Why don't you make up your mind? I'm going to walk in the process and I'm going to be exactly who the Lord has called me to be. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I've run out of time. We will talk to you later.